Man, thank you so much. I appreciate it. I just want to invite Stephanie to come up on the stage and actually my wife, Cheryl. Yeah, she knew. She knew. We called her out. But listen, how many of you know that stepping into the call of God is not always an easy thing? In fact, let me take always out. It's never easy, right? We've been able to watch Pastor Scott and Stephanie not only respond in obedience to the call of God on their life, but with great difficulty. And I am so proud of them. Uh, as Scott has said, we've had those late night conversations. We understand the struggle. Sometimes you need someone to come alongside you and help roll the boulder uphill, right, alongside you. And we've had that opportunity, but I am so, so proud of your pastor. And I want to say you are a blessed body of believers by having Scott and Stephanie here. And I just want to take one quick minute before I begin my message today, and I just want to extend a prayer. I'm going to invite you to stand with me and just reach your hand out towards them. And the reason you do this is you're just saying, I agree with you in what you're praying over them today. How many of you know we all need prayer? We need God's support. We need God's strength. We need his forbearance to be able to withstand in a day of struggle. And I want to just do that for them, just to pray over them, protection, favor, grace, anointing, to continue on for the next chapter of Freedom Church. Amen? Let's do that. Father, thank you so much, God, for what you're doing in this house. It's an incredible privilege to stand before you today in awe of the work that you've done. God, you are faithful. And when you call yours into places unknown, Lord, where the, the terrain is unknown and, and uncharted, God, you always make a way when there is no way and you lead us by your strong hand. We are thankful, God, for what you've done in the life of Scott and Stephanie. Thankful, God, that you put a resolve in their spirit. Lord, that they will look to you in all things, not based on circumstances, not based even on what they can measure as success, but God, simply in obedience to your call in their life, and God, you are blessing it. We see the fruit begin to come forth from the ground today, Lord, and we celebrate all that you have done. We pray protection over them, pray continued anointing over them and favor over their life, God. Let their latter days be greater than their former days, Father. We expect mighty and incredible things in this future. We thank you for Freedom Church, everybody here. We pray you bless our time together in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Let's give them a hand. Come on, they're awesome. I love you, bro. These guys are literally our, my spirit animals. Like, Stephanie, we rode home from the airport, and she's preaching my sermon to me as I already have, it's already been developed, it's already in my notes, and she's literally saying the same things from today's message to me, and, and that's just how in tune they are with the Lord, but um, it's an honor for me to be here with you today. I do remember that first night. That was crazy. I've never not slept like that and worked so hard, and uh, I just was glad that God sent Scott and not me in that moment. I'll be honest with you, I was happy. But I want, to, uh, I want to just take a moment, and man, this is an incredible time celebrating four years of Freedom Church. And uh, I mean, we got we to gotta take a moment sometimes and build some altars and say, God, thank you for what you've done. I mean, we just look around and say, wow, God, you've really done an amazing thing that's beyond ourselves. And honestly, and I know I can, I can attest to Scott's heart for this, that there's not one person in this room that can take credit for what God's done. In fact, he does things in spite of us, not because of us, doesn't he? He just moves so mightily in our lives, and, and he's a faithful God, and I want to talk about him today. It's Super Bowl Sunday, friends. How many football fans out there today? You got a lot of football fans? I'm a big football fan. I love football, and um, you know what's crazy is, for me, I'm thinking, okay, we got a birthday party to celebrate. We got Super Bowl Sunday to celebrate. Uh, we're here with our friends. We got a stranger in town. I'm just thinking, we, I want to preach, you know, a light and fun message today. So turn with me to the book of Job. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Turn with me to the book of Job, chapter 42. Chapter 42, verse 5. It's going to be up on the screen. If you don't have it in front of you, I encourage you always bring your Bible to church. Job 42.5, I had only heard about you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. What's great about this particular Sunday is that 
as we celebrate Super Bowl, whether you're a football fan or not, it's actually a culmination of a lot of dreams that are happening on this day today, aside from church. In the football world, in the NFL, there's a lot happening today that is a culmination of a lot of dreams, a lot of hard work. But the reality is there's 30 teams that are watching today's game on the couch. And there's only two teams that actually have made it to the bowl, right? To, to the, the ultimate goal, to the prize. And so when you think about that, all the ways that the, the teams that are sitting back and watching the game from the couch, they're thinking about new ways to begin this next chapter. They're already thinking about how do we strategize? What modifications and adjustments do we make? Maybe we overhaul everything, Raiders, and start from there. But it's a new season. And for the teams that didn't make it, they cannot wait until the next Sunday where the hopes become alive again of making the big game. They're waiting for that next Sunday where they can put it all in action. We love Sundays. Come on, as a, as a people of faith, we love Sundays. I love Sundays. I mean, it's Jesus, it's family, and it's football, and in that order. And Cheryl makes an amazing game day spread. I just want you to know. I'll put her up against any of y'all in this house. But we love Sundays. We love Sundays, and, and we also love Sundays because it is the day of the resurrection. Now, some people get all caught up on what's the Sabbath and what's the Sunday, why are Christians having church on Sunday. The reason we do that, don't get all crazy about it. Relax, everybody, okay? The Sabbath is to be kept holy, and that is Saturday. But let's just be honest. In the era of grace, every day is supposed to be kept holy, right? God says, be holy because I'm holy. And so that's just how we roll in holiness, but we get together on Sundays because we are remembering the day of the Lord's resurrection. It's the first day of the week. So we gather on Sundays because we're just always celebrating that Sunday. The Sunday that God was victorious, overcoming hell, death, and the grave. And we come together on Sunday. So let's talk about that for a second. Here's what we know about the cross. We had Friday, the day that everything died. The day that Jesus died, the hope of the Messiah died on a Friday. We call it Good Friday today, but it was a bad Friday back then. And we have Saturday. And this was the day that the disciples were walking around just confused and angry. What, what happened? We didn't see it going down like this. A lot of confusion, a lot of maybe discouragement was in their spirit. But then we have Sunday, the day of the Lord's resurrection. And this is kind of how that weekend went. We celebrate it. It's Easter time, right? But it's why Sundays have such a strong significance. And it's interesting to me as I was preparing for our message today, I'm like, God, what, what do you want to speak to Freedom Church? And what he said to me is that the three days that we just talked about is really a model of what living life is like, right? We have our Fridays in life. We, I'm going to use metaphors here. So we have our Fridays in life when we experience loss. We experience defeat. We experience disappointment. We didn't see it going down like that in our life as we journey through faith and just life. And then we have our Sundays that we celebrate. Wow, we finally got our breakthrough. God came through. We are rejoicing today. It is Sunday. Hallelujah. And then we have every day in between. Saturdays. In fact, let's be honest, Saturday is not really a day at all. It's a season. Saturday is really where we spend most of our lives as people. Recovering from something, something traumatic, something devastating. Waiting for the day that we are finally redeemed and celebrating again. And then we've got all that in between. And so like the disciples, we can find ourselves in life very shocked, dumbfounded, confused, angry even, finding ourselves waiting in the silence and wondering, God, do you even care about what I'm walking through right now? Because I've been in Saturday for a long, long time. But I want to talk a little bit more about these Saturdays because, my friends, I want to tell you this morning, there is beauty in Saturday. There's beauty in it. 
And it's interesting to me is that what we are wired to do is that as we go through life and we find ourselves constantly in a state of Saturday, we're wired to say, I need to get out of Saturday and get myself into Sunday. I don't like it here. I need to get past this and move into the day when all of this pain goes away. All the confusion is now in clarity. And so we, we are wired to push into Sunday. But I want to tell you something. What it does in our minds, if we're wired this way, is it causes questions like, well, then why would a good God have me spend so much time in Saturday? Is God good at all? Is God fair? Does he even care about my situation? And I'm going to suggest to you this morning this, that the enemy of our souls, that he loves Saturday. In fact, I believe it's his favorite time because he says this platform, this Saturday is mine to discourage. It's mine to cause doubt. It is mine to question even the credibility of God himself. This is my favorite day. This is what the enemy's saying. Let me suggest this to you this morning, Freedom Church. What if true freedom, what if true freedom means that we're able to see God in Saturday while we're still waiting, while we're still hoping, while we're still believing. That as Job said, I've heard about you before. I hear a lot about you. In fact, I come to church all the time. But for the first time, I now can see you. There was a transformation that happened in Job's life. Here's my first thought for today. Saturday has significance. Despite what you might be feeling, despite what the enemy is speaking to you today, your Saturday has significance. In the 42nd chapter of Job, we read a statement resulting from a culmination of some intense events that happened to Job. If you've ever read the book, man, Job went through it. And I believe that if, if you understand the story of Job, you would agree with me that he didn't deserve it. There's nothing that he did to, to deserve it. In fact, all of these 41 chapters that we read from the beginning of Job to the end of Job, that's all about a Saturday. The Bible says that he was more righteous than anyone in the land. More righteous. In fact, he had a practice that he would offer daily sacrifices in case his kids were having a party at their house and they did something wrong, they did some kind of sin. He had a, an offering, a sacrifice that would cover their sin. He was that righteous. God even says of him, he's more righteous than anyone in the land. Let, here's, here's a lesson we take away. Our goodness does not mean that we're going to have a trouble-free life. There's no goodness that we can achieve to say, whew, I'm in the clear. I'm going to be good. In fact, it's promised in John 16.33, I've told you, these are Jesus' words, I've told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you're going to have many trials and sorrows. But I want you to take heart because I have overcome the world. So there's some promises right here that, that we can take to the bank. And it's that we're going to have trials. Things are going to get rough. We're going to have some Saturday seasons in our life. But he makes the promise to say, but listen, I'm going to be with you for every one of those Saturdays. I'm not going to leave you. I am going to be in the fight. I'm going to be in the thick with you. And then I want you to know something else. Not only am I going to be there, not only are you going to have those trials, but I have overcome those trials already. I already see into Sunday. I just need you to hang on. That's what he's speaking to each of us this morning, even through this life of Job. He lost everything. Job lost everything but his wife and a handful of friends. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I love to eat. I love eating. And I understand there's a conflict out here as to whether it's barbecue or grilling. Is, is, is that a thing? Okay. So I, me and a buddy, we actually got into the science of smoking meat, right? So like a good brisket. How many of you love a good brisket, right? If it's done right, mm, it's like candy to the tongue, right? And it's meat. It's crazy. But there's this process as you smoke a brisket, and, and I'm going to do this real quick, but you trim the fat, right? You get all the nonsense off of the brisket, 
And then you flavor it, you season it, and you let it marinate, and you, you let it dry brine overnight, and you've got all those flavors that are penetrating the meat. And then you put it on the smoker. And as you put it on the smoker, it starts to rise in temperature, and it starts to change color, it starts to get a little crust on it if you're doing it right, and I'm just, man, my mouth is watering. And, and it starts to take shape, and you start seeing this beautiful piece of meat now evolve from a raw piece of meat to something you can sink your teeth into, right? And so you're super excited about it, and then your, your temperature thermometer, you stick it in the meat, and then right at about 160, 165, it enters a stage called the stall. The stall. What is the stall? It's when nothing happens. The stall means that the meat is about 165, and you got to let it sit there at 165. You've seen all this progress before that, but now you're at the stall, and it sits at 165 with zero happening. You're watching it. Your temperature isn't rising. It's not dropping. It's doing nothing, and so it's already developed its smoke rings. It's already got its flavor infusion. It's just cooking on the inside, but it takes time. And if you were to pull it off the grill and say, ah, it's good enough, you would bite into some very rough, very tough meat. And so what's happening in the stall is all of the tendons and all of the fat is starting to render, as it's called, and it's just melting away and flavoring the meat, changing the entire environment, but you can't tell when you're cooking that meat. How many of us want to pull the meat off early? As we're going through our life, as we're going through the stall in our seasons, in our Saturday seasons, but we've got to understand something. God is doing something on the inside. He's burning away the hardness. He's burning away the stiffness. He's burning away all of the disappointment and maybe even our view of God. He's changing everything, but it is undetectable from the outside. It's only happening on the inside. So many hours. In fact, it can take a brisket up to 14 hours or so to cook but it reaches 165 after about three or four. That's a long time in the stall, isn't it? But that's what our lives can look like. We see all this great change happening. Oh, I gave my life to Jesus. I'm pumped. I got a church family, Freedom Church. I'm excited to be a part of this family. And then boom, you go home on Monday and hit the stall. You're like, man, nothing's changing anymore. It was red hot when I started, but man, this feels like it's the same week after week after week, and I pray. My prayers hit the ceiling and bounce back. I read the word, and I'm not getting anything from it. You're in the stall. God's doing something on the inside. There's beauty in Saturday, my friends. And God's doing something inside you because he wants to change the environment from the inside out. What if the disciples closed the book after day two? What if they gave up on Saturday and just split? Everybody just forsook Jesus and and they were gone. They gave up on faith, gave up on everything they were contemplating. They closed the book. What if we closed the book on Saturday? Jesus was killed. Woo, man, terrible story. That book sucked. But you keep reading and you find out that it was on that Saturday when the disciples were lost and confused and they were angry, and they were upset, and their hopes were shattered. But Jesus was actually on a road trip, and he went down into Shoal. It's called Abraham's bosom. And there were prisoners, as they're called, captives, those that were faithful to God. And they were being held in this holding pattern until the day of the resurrection. Jesus went, and he gathered the souls in Shoal, and he took them to heaven with him in his resurrection. You see, Jesus is always working, even when we can't see it in our lives. He's always busy, and he's always thinking about things that are eternal. Everything happening here, my friends, as good as it gets and as bad as it gets, it's temporal. This too shall pass. And we understand that God has the eternal perspective. It's why Paul was such an effective evangelist, because no matter what water or or storm, or shipwreck that he went into, he always had his eyes on what God was doing in his life and what he had called him to. But unfortunately, many of us, we actually choose to never engage in a meaningful relationship with God because we gave up during the stall. 
We gave up on Saturday. We never fully let ourselves surrender to God because it begs the question, is God trustworthy? I feel like I don't hear him. There's inactivity happening. I'm not seeing any progress. And so what we can do is shape a form of faith. Maybe we come to church every Sunday. Maybe we're involved in a life group a small group. We're serving in the church. We're going through the motions, but quite honestly, when the rubber hits the road, we look like we're walking through Saturday. What kind of witness does that bring to this lost and dying world if a bunch of Christians are just walking around with Saturday mindset? You see, we have to learn how God wants to pull us out of a Saturday here, even when our circumstances are still in Saturday. That's what he wants for us because that's what brings faith. That's what brings a true witness to the Lord. Now, God might be doing something in each of our lives that we just don't fully understand. I want you to watch a video. And this is at the NFL Honors uh, that just happened this past week. And uh, a young man, uh, Damar Hamlin, uh, I'll explain in just a second, but I want you to watch the screen for this short video. First, I would like to just thank God for even being here. Every day, I am amazed that my experiences could encourage so many others across the country and even across the world. Encourage to pray, encourage to spread love, and encourage to keep fighting no matter the circumstances. Sudden cardiac arrest was nothing I would have ever chosen to be a part of my story. But that's because sometimes our own visions are too small, even when we think we are seeing the bigger picture. My vision was about playing in the NFL and being the best player that I could be. But God's plan was to have a purpose greater than any game in this world. Greater than the game. The title of the message is Greater Than the Game because this is where I believe God wants our focus to be. Damar Hamlin, he suffered cardiac arrest right on the field. For those of you that saw that, the whole world was watching. And he collapsed on the field. And, and everyone's just saying, oh my gosh, such an aspiring young man, such a good man. And, and what a terrible thing to happen. He just wanted to play football. That was his gift. That was his dream. And after he collapsed and he was resuscitated on the field, then the whole world began to change around this man's life. Everybody was watching. What is God going to do? And I want you to know that God saved him. But after his cardiac arrest, donations over $9 million for his foundation started to flow in. Public prayer on live TV, on ESPN, were being televised and broadcast throughout the world. And the television shots of a football field with hundreds of players gathered in a circle praying to God for help for this young man. It brought not only the world together, but it brought God to the focus. And so Damar Hamlin, in the speech, as he's now recovering, he says, I realized, you know, I had a dream to play football. But what really happened is that God had a plan for me that was greater than the game. God has a plan for you and me that's greater than this game. He's got a plan for you. And it's not going to look like maybe you thought it was going to look. It's going to take some turns. It's going to have some detours, going to have some ups and downs. But I want you to know if you keep your eyes on the one who designs, who's the author and the perfecter of our faith, we have to trust that he is a good God that has our life in his hands. God is always working on the good. Here's my second thought. I'm going to move quickly now. Saturday isn't singular. What I mean by that is, is it is never intended for a Saturday to be a single day or to be done alone. Your Saturday season should never be journeyed through alone. It is always community. This is why Pastor Scott and Stephanie are going to be so strong and have been so strong on the purpose and the value of community. We were never intended to walk this alone. Even Job had some friends come alongside him. And let me just say this as a caveat. His friends get a bad rap if you read the book. But let me tell you, they started out really good. Here's what, they, what happens in Job 2.13. They sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. Can you imagine coming alongside a friend seven days and seven nights not saying a word, just sitting with him? 
You know what? I think that's amazing. I think that's the best thing that they could have done. Sometimes it's the best thing that you and I need to do for each other. Because what are we inclined to do as believers? Well, let me just give you five scriptures and you're going to be okay as soon as you read these. Right? Or, or, or you know what? You just need to pray a little bit more. You need to, need to come to church a little bit more. Get more involved. I see some craziness going on in your life. Get plugged in. And we immediately try to pull them out of Saturday, get them into Sunday so we can fix them. But sometimes we just need people to come alongside us and say, yeah, that sucks. I'm with you, man. I don't have the answer either. I just know God's good, but I'm just going to sit here with you because there's beauty in this. There's beauty in this Saturday season that you're walking through. I think it's so important. Jesus, he understood our pain. When Mary and Martha came to him and said, Jesus, Lazarus is dead. Now he could have easily said, well, I got a miracle up my sleeve. I'm gonna be calling him from the dead in just a moment. Hang out. But nope, Jesus wept. It tore him apart. He mourned with them. He sat with them in their Saturday. And after four days, he calls Lazarus to come forth. Come on out of that grave. And he raised him from the dead. He knew he was going to do that, but yet he sat with them in their Saturday. It's an important point. What's critical in understanding our Saturday experience is knowing who God is. I love that Job said, man, I heard about you. I just never seen you. In other words, he's saying, I heard of you. I just didn't really know you the way I wanted to. Everybody here in the room texts, right? You all send text messages? Now, there's two kinds of texters. There's the texters that's just the facts, ma'am, right? I'm just going to send you what I need to say and, you know, take it or leave it. It's black and white. I'm a texter. And then you have the other kind of texter that has to have five emojis after every sentence, (laughs) right? They want you to know what they're feeling while they're saying what they're saying, right? And so they're very intentional to make sure that there's all these emojis going into the communication because they don't want you to misread what they're trying to communicate. And so they send all these emojis, right? You know, smiling face or, or whatever it is. I think about it. You know, when I get a text message from my wife, she doesn't need to send me emojis because I can actually picture her saying what I'm reading because I know her so well. A lot of times we go through our faith. We, go, we read through the Bible or we go through experiences, Saturday seasons. We don't know what the heck's going on. Like, God, can you shoot me an emoji? Let me know where you're at right now, right? But the reality is, as we draw closer to God through our Saturday experiences, this is why I'm saying, hang out in Saturday. I'm not, I'm not wishing bad stuff to happen in your life. I'm wishing for great stuff to happen in your life. It's greater than the game. But you got to hang out in that stall. you got to hang out when God's doing something in your life. And as you are sitting there, you've got to make sure that you know who your God is. Because all the messaging is going to come. It's going to bombard you. And you're going to have all these messages of, well, is God good? And I'm going to discredit God. I'm going to put doubt in your heart. I'm going to plant seeds. But if you know who your God is, you can actually hear him and see him speaking it to you. And you know his heart. You know that he's good. And I'm going to wrap up just just slowly here. But when you know when you know who your God is, you have to understand something. There's two things said about God. There's many things said about God, but there's two that I want to highlight. One is that he's omnipotent, which is just a $100 word that means all-powerful. All-powerful. And it also talks about him being good. His goodness and mercy endure forever, right? So here's the deal. If you have an all-powerful God who isn't good, all you've got is a tyrant. And I'm going to join you running the other direction. I don't want to have any part of that. And if you've got a good God, but he's not all-powerful, then you just got yourself another friend. But if he's all-powerful and he's all-good, man, that's something to sit in right there. That's something to rest in right there. And that's the kind of God you serve. He is all-powerful. There's nothing that he can't do. 
He's already overcome all of this, and he's so good. He's not just some tyrant up on a hill, but he's a loving daddy that wants to walk with you through your Saturday seasons. You got to know who it is to sit in Saturday. My final thought is this. Saturday always has a Sunday. Saturday always has a Sunday. Why did God test Job? Have you ever asked yourself that? If he was a good dude, if he's doing his best, you know, working it all out, why would God choose him? In fact, sidebar, I will say it is an honor for God to use your name in front of the enemy and say, have you considered my servant, Scott? Now, wouldn't that be great? I mean, what a high honor that is. But I want to tell you something, and uh, I'm not here to wreck your theology, but I want to say something to you that I want you to consider because it's really important how we view God as we go through Saturday. I think the Bible reveals something about maybe why God chose Job. Job has already confessed, I had heard of you, but for the first time, I'm seeing you with my own eyes. Some distance there in relationship. Right at the beginning, as soon as he lost everything in chapter 3, it says this. Job 3, 25 says this. What I always feared has happened to me. What I dreaded has come true. This is a man who had given his life to the worship of God. This is a man who was faithful in sacrifice and obedience to God. But God saw something in his heart that his motivation wasn't where God wanted it. Why do you do what you do? Why, Job, are you going through all of this trouble? And Job said, because I've been afraid of you. I've dreaded something like this happening my whole life. And so I just think if I can work, if I can do this, if I can do that, I can volunteer, I can serve, I can give. If I can just do this, then God, maybe you'll be kind to me. God saw that in the heart of Job, and he said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. That, that's not who I am. I don't want you to serve me out of some twisted obligation. I don't want you to follow me because your pastor pressures you because he's cool and from California. I, I, we should do it too then. <laughs> I don't want you to serve me because you're afraid of what I might do if you don't. And Job discloses in this vulnerable moment what I've always been afraid of, what I've always dreaded has now come true. And I believe God wanted to pull that fear out of him. God wanted to cleanse him of a true relationship with him so that he understood that God loved him, that he was for him. He was a good God, and he was going to see him through every Saturday of his life. But the motivation to worship him and the motivation to stay on track, to not pull out on Saturday, was not out of fear and dread. Because that will not keep anybody for long. Saturday will overcome fear and dread. In fact, it'll just add to the fear and the dread. God wants us to see him for who he is. Amen? Amen? At this point, God completely restores Job. Completely. He got twice as much as he had before. Same amount of children were born into his household. I want to tell you something. Your third day is coming. Your Sunday is on its way. I want you to hang on. I'm not here to pull you through. I'm not here to say today's your day because maybe it isn't. I'm here to say, let's hang out in Saturday. Let's be okay with it because this is where we spend a lot of our life and God's good and God's doing something inside of you and in your life in Freedom Church. I think about Scott and Stephanie and the conversations that we had getting to this four-year anniversary Man, there was a lot of stalls happening, and COVID came. But I want to tell you something. When At the advent of COVID, when it came and it changed the entire world, it also changed the church. Drastically has changed the church. But I want you to know something, that our God is a God who preserves. 
He is a God that has always, since the beginning of time, has set aside a people for himself, consecrated, set apart for a holy purpose. And he has done so for his glory that his promises will always be fulfilled. A remnant. He set aside a remnant. You know what the post-COVID era looks like? I want to tell you something, Freedom Church. Freedom Church, from the last time I was here, it looks a whole lot different today. But I want to challenge you with this. It ought to look a whole lot different tomorrow too. And here's why. God is looking for a people. Actually, the the definition of, of remnant actually means a portion from an original material. Just, just, just a piece that was saved. And we look at church and, and its, its evolution and some of the disenchantment that we've seen in church and through its people. Going through Saturday after Saturday after Saturday, trying to understand and make sense of who God really is in their life. How does it apply to my life? God is raising up a remnant. A remnant that will testify to the goodness of God. A remnant that will say, look, I was lost, but now I'm found. I was different, but now I'm changed. And the reason I'm changed is because God has been sitting me in my Saturday seasons. I've been marinating, I've been cooking, and the fat's been rendering, and God is doing a mighty work in my life. I can't see Sunday yet, but I'm good in Saturday because God's good. I'm the remnant. Because I believe if this is the message of the church to a lost and dying world, hey, listen, it's not all about roses and sunshine when you come and be a Christian. Because that's why there's a mass exodus from the church. Because they're saying, no, it wasn't. It wasn't all roses and sunshine. It was still hard. And you say, yeah, I know. I know. God's got you. You're doing it with him now instead of apart from him. And we begin to speak a truth of authenticity a truth of just being real before God. People will always follow somebody who's real rather than somebody who's always right. Sometimes as Christian believers, we think that we just got to keep preaching the truth because it's right. Well, what if the reality is different than the truth? Pontius Pilate said that to Jesus when he stood before him said, what's truth? The reality is, the truth is standing in front of me, but my reality is I'm about to get mobbed by this angry crowd. How do we balance our journey of faith, holding on to the truth and understanding our truth impacts our reality? And the two don't have to be replaceable. They can coexist. My heart to you today is simply this. Freedom Church, I want you to understand something. God is looking to build an authentic church, a real church, a relatable church, a church that can sit with you in Friday, can sit with you in Saturday, and celebrate with you in Sunday, and just keep repeating, repeating that cycle for everybody. That's a powerful remnant of God. I'm going to sit with you. I'm going to sit with you in your loss. I'm going to just be here with you. I ain't saying a word. And I'm going to sit with you in this Saturday. And I'm just going to love on you. I'm just going to let you know that I ain't going nowhere. I got your back. And when that one day comes, I am going to be the one shouting the loudest for you. Because I know what you've been through. And I'm going to see you through. May our Saturdays in life find each of us with this resolve. Job 13, 15, last scripture. Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. Even if God doesn't come through the way I think he would come through, I'm going to trust him. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to keep believing. I'm going to keep hanging on. I'm going to know that Saturday is only a season. And my Sunday is coming. Freedom Church, there's something bigger, greater than the game of this life. And it's what Jesus has planned for you. I love your tagline, freedom and purpose. There's a purpose for every single one of you. So do me this last favor. Let's just all close our eyes. Let's invite God to just continue the work that he's doing in this room. And as you close your eyes, I want you to just think. 
that if God were to speak with you right now in this moment, what does that sound like? What does he look like? What is his posture? Is he mad at you? Is he disappointed in you? Is there a smile on his face? What is he saying? What is he speaking to your heart right now? Maybe it's just a word of comfort. Maybe he's simply saying, I'm with you. I love you. Maybe he's saying, I know you feel like quitting, but don't. Don't quit. Maybe he's saying, I don't want you to be scared anymore. I want you to rise up. There's a lion inside of those lungs. Rise up. Start trusting me a little bit more. Man, I, I'm never going to leave you. I care about every little thing that you walk through. Even the little details, I care about those things. When you cry, I cry. When you rejoice, I rejoice. And when you're impatient and confused and mad, it's okay. I can take that. I love you. I love you with all of my heart. And I got you. Your Sunday is coming. With that imagery and that thought in your heart and your mind, I want to just invite you guys to respond. Maybe that's something that you just want to confirm before God in the heavens. To say, God, I hear you today. I hear you speaking right to my heart. And I want to thank you for strengthening me and encouraging me today with this word. If that's something that you feel that you want to just recognize before God, you can, with everybody's eyes closed, just slip your hand up and say, yeah, that's me. Pray for me, Pastor. Yep, I got it. Yep, 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 yep. Yes, yes, yes. I see you. I see you. Hands all over the room. I want to encourage you, Freedom Church. You are at the beginning, the cusp of something brand new. I'll be honest with you, I struggled with this message because it didn't seem to fit the vibe. But the reality is what God is going to do in Freedom Church, this is a foundational truth that will sustain you for the road ahead. My heart is to implant in you the truth of God's word to strengthen you for a weary soul to be able to walk forward in the power and the might that is given in the promises of Jesus. And let me just do one more thing before I close. I'm going to pray for you. If there's anybody in the room here that maybe you've never given your life to Jesus, you've heard about him. You've heard about him, but you've never seen him with your own eyes. If that's you in this place today, I want to introduce you to Jesus. I want to give you that opportunity to say, I want to surrender my life to Jesus, maybe for the first time. Maybe you've been coming to church for a long time and you've never actually done that. And I want to encourage you, friend, it will be the greatest decision of your life. It will be the best Sunday that you will remember for the rest of your life, the day you surrendered your life to Jesus. If that's you today, everybody's eyes are still closed. You can just lift up your hand and say, I want to give my life to Jesus right now. I'm not going to wait another day. I'm not going to go through another Saturday on my own. I want to give my life to Jesus. If that's you, just go and slip up your hand. I'm going to give you just a few seconds more. Don't miss this opportunity. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to surrender to him now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Let me pray over you, Freedom Church. Father, I thank you for the word that you speak out of your loving kindness, out of your grace, and out of your mercy. Lord, you're such a good father. And Lord, there are times when we are confused, we are lost, and we're angry, and we're ready to give up. But God, you continue to sustain us by the truth and the power of your Holy Spirit. And so for this church, Lord, I extend my hand out into these people today, and I impart the power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. 
And I pray that you would go, Lord, into the nukes and crannies of our heart, that you would uncover truths, God, of our motivations, the things that we do, Lord, to honor you or to dishonor you, Father, that you would just bring it all to the surface, Lord, that you can deal with us in our Saturday seasons. Because one day, God, we will walk into our Sundays. And Lord, I thank you, God, for what you have planned for us. I thank you for the joy that's in our spirit and in our heart as a result of your faithfulness. God, you are worthy to be praised. You are worthy of it all, God. And so today, we just want to thank you for the work that you're doing in this house as we celebrate today, as we remember, God, all the amazing things that you've done. God, we look forward as a remnant, your people, into an amazing future that you have for us and for this church and this community of Camden, Arkansas. We love you, Jesus, and it's in your powerful name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen and praise the Lord. Let's give the Lord a hand for what he's done in the house today. Amen. Amen. What a, what a great message. Uh, will you give Pastor Michael a big thank you? We, we don't talk about that enough in the church, about sitting in, in, our, in our hurt. And not in an unhealthy way, but a healthy way. To say that, that Jesus isn't trying to push you into something you're, you're not ready for. But, but he wants you to walk through it. He, he wants you to, to grow in that. We, we, you know, we, we read message, uh, scriptures that say from glory to glory. And we, we think that that means that, that life is full of nothing but good and happy, good and happy. And, and the reality is, is that... The good and happy are there. If we don't walk through those, we'll never truly understand what good and happy and joy, like the fact that we can sit in Saturday and have joy. We can sit in Saturday and know God's peace and know his goodness despite what we're walking through. And so I hope that our goal and our heart as leaders here, myself and Stephanie and those that Make freedom function. So we will never rush you through your Saturday. And then we will do our best to walk in and to sit with you through your Saturday. Knowing that God's plan is wholeness. God's plan is healing. But there's a purpose in everything we walk through. And so, once again, um, Stephanie and I are so blessed to be your pastors. To lead this church and to be in this community of faith and to watch God's story play out in each and every one of our lives. The greatest honor that we could ever have. To do life together and watch God do great things through the ups and downs, through the Fridays and Saturdays and the Sundays of life. So I thank y'all for, for taking this ride with us. I thank you for, for saying, this is the place where I want to grow and I want to be a part of something. And if this is your first time, welcome. Hopefully we see you back. Hopefully that God has done something in, in today. And it, listen, one of the things that I talk about all the time is that we're, we're not talking about major steps. God is a, is a God of process and discipleship takes time. You may sit in church for, for months before you ever make a decision to truly follow him. And that's, that's okay. But don't miss that opportunity. And we're going to walk through life with you. So we love you guys. Um, listen, don't rush out of here. Uh, we got a couple of things that, that, that we want to celebrate with you guys, okay? Um, literally through the dark door over there are some great tacos. Somebody say amen. amen. If you don't like tacos, bye. <laughs> we got, we got, we got, we got uh, chicken and, and, and steak tacos, rice and beans for lunch. Um, and then while that's happening, we're going to be handing everybody, uh, well, uh, we should do this in, in a process because I'm, I'm going to hand you two tickets at some point uh, during this course. One is for the dessert voting. One is we got a few things we want to give away. We just, it's a birthday. Somebody's got to get a gift, right? Okay. So, so, um, so we got a few gifts that we want to raffle off. Um, so here's what the first raffle ticket you get is going to be We'll do the raffles first because that's easy. I can do that while everybody's eating. So we'll do the first raffle uh, ticket you get is for the raffles. 
The second one you get after we've done the raffles, just throw that away. Don't hold on to it, okay? Just throw it away. The second raffle ticket you get will be for the dessert competition. Somebody say amen. Oh, there's some sweet goodness out there. My cheesecake isn't out there yet, but it's here, okay? It's, it's, it's waiting. It's been sitting. Okay, first of all, listen, if there isn't more of a Southern message in the fact that he just called us all brisket, there's, listen. <laughs> like, when somebody asks you, what'd you learn at church today? I'm a brisket. <laughs> Amen, okay? But listen, um, we, we're going to have a dessert competition, so the second raffle you get will be for that, and we'll have cups out there in front of everybody's uh, dessert that they brought, and you just get a little taste of each one, and you, and you drop the one, the one that you like the most, cheesecake, and, uh, and, and we'll have a winner, okay? So listen, let's pray one more time, um, and then I'm going to check to make sure, uh, but they should be ready uh, to serve some tacos, and, uh, and, let's, and let's sit, and let's, let's hang out for a little bit, and then you guys can go on your merry way and watch the Super Bowl. So Jesus, I thank you for Pastor Michael and Cheryl. I thank you for them traveling uh, from California to be with us this weekend, and I pray, Jesus, your blessing on their life. God, you've got a plan and a purpose for them. It is, it is mine and Stephanie's joy and honor to to know them, to, to do life with them, for them to be able to speak into our life and, and vice versa. God, I thank you for him taking the time to hear you and not just speak a cliche, happy celebration message, but a, a message with power and truth on this fourth birthday. One that will sit in our spirit and hopefully change the way that we live. God, we're not rushing you. We're not rushing each other. God, help us to learn and grow in our Saturdays so that the Sundays are sweeter. I thank you for this food that we're about to eat, nourish it to our bodies. We thank you for the hands that have prepared it, Father. And we're ready to celebrate all that you have done, but even more importantly, what, what we don't even know you are preparing us for, for the future of freedom. I thank you for our people. Bless them this week. God, give them doors of opportunity to speak of your goodness and to live out their faith. God, we thank you for those that give faithfully to the church. God, I pray that you would bless them, be with them, God. Encourage them that the finances that we, that we use here, God, go to build your kingdom. We love you, Jesus, and all of God's people said, amen. Listen. 